Welcome to Resilient Entrepreneurs, the podcast where we talk with entrepreneurs and business people from all walks of life and from around the world in the hope that something you hear will leave your business a little richer. Devo is the visionary founder of Fusion Creative. He's an extraordinary entrepreneur, holistic branding specialist, content creator and master photographer. And after a thriving corporate career of about 15 years, Devo set out to rewrite the rules of branding. Okay, we're curious. We'll touch on social media strategies as well as building an authentic brand. So let's get started. Welcome, Devo. Thank you, Vicky. Appreciate it. Oh, I always no. wonder when you read the intros for a podcast guest or you're doing the intro, if you would say the same thing after you have the guest on the show. Like it'd be kind of like a fun piece. This is how we introduced you. And then at the end, you as the host would have to reintroduce. And it could be as candid and honest as you want. Like, he's not a magician at all. He doesn't know anything. It'd <laughs> be kind of a fun that. way to do it, right? Yeah. I think you've set us up for a challenge. We might just try that at the end with you here. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I kind of like it. It's like on the spot that this is real or not real, right? be fun to hear it. you intro it. us too. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's actually really cool. I like that idea. Okay, I let's do it. So. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm all about branding and strategy, of course, as we do it two for one. We are a marketing agency. Um, so so excited to talk more about that as we get on with the conversation. But I always like to start out with understanding a little bit about you and who you are and where you came from. Because, you know, our childhood experiences definitely shape who we become in the future. So Tell us a little bit about you, Devo. Like, what was growing up like? Where did you grow up? And was entrepreneurship part of that or not? That could be a dangerous time portal. How deep are we going down this rabbit hole? I'll, <laughs> I want I'll keep all it relatively. The childhood I'll... traumas, every <laughs> last one of them. Because we know I'll, you're a storyteller. Yeah, I'll keep it as benign as I can, but I'm not known to do benign. So I'm one of 12. I have 11 brothers and sisters. So to start that off, you can kind of see where I could go with that. Uh, I have nine sisters and two brothers. I'm the middle child, so there's some psychology associated with that, apparently. We're the coolest, best looking, all those good things. I don't know. I think, yes, kind of work backwards. So entrepreneurialism has sort of always been in my blood. I just didn't know it was entrepreneurialism. I just thought it was like my way of making some money because my parents didn't give us money and we were pretty poor. Well, actually, we weren't poor sometimes. It's kind of weird. I don't really understand it. I always thought maybe my dad was on the run because we moved a bunch of different places. But we had money sometimes, and then we had no money. Like sometimes I'd be eating saltine crackers with mustard on the top, and then next time I'd be like, "We're driving this huge van, living in a mountain house." So I never really know what he was actually doing, but I would say eighty percent of my childhood seemed pretty poor. Uh, we never really had a lot, and so I always had my own jobs. Which um, I grew up in Colorado, and we lived in the snowy part of Colorado, so I had my own snow business where I'd go every winter starting from basically October through March and shoveling snow off people's yards. So I had that. And then in the springtime, I would transition them into lawn mowing companies. So yeah, I've always had my own little entrepreneurial spirit. Really, I don't know. I'll stop there. Did you want to dive into anything specific? Yeah. I want to know whether you ever found out what your dad did. No, no. Well, he had a couple of businesses. He had a wine importing business. And so he would import fine wines from all over the world. So he was always traveling and bringing back wine. And then he would resell that to restaurants, uh, wine connoisseurs. And back in the time, wine wasn't as big as it is today. But, you know, so he was sort of at the forefront of that. And we worked in his business, which is kind of interesting. So not only did we were homeschooled, at least I was homeschooled up until, uh, let's say, I went into school in middle school. So 
I wouldn't really call it homeschool. <laughs> we called it homeschool, but it was basically my dad's child labor. That's basically what we were. <laughs> so unloading, like you, you kid you not, like so imagine me and my two brothers, these big giant tractor trailers full of wine, pallets and pallets and pallets. Those are what, 30, 40 feet deep, stacked to the ceiling. And we were his labor. And so until I was old enough to carry a, a box of wine, which probably weighs 20, 15, 20 pounds, I would imagine, I was the tape boy. So I'd have like all these tapes on my arm because I, I'm really nimble and athletic. I would have to climb up and around and move boxes around so they could unload them. So, and then at some point during the day, he would stop us and we'd have to go do reading lessons and comprehension lessons. So um, that was our homeschool. Um, everything was just centered around reading and comprehending and writing. So the old, like, I don't know how old you all are, but remember uh, the McGuffey's Readers? Are you familiar with the McGuffey's Readers? I don't think so. It's like an old, old, old ass original English manuscript that were designed to teach people how to read, like back in the 1800s or something. And so we learned to read and comprehend literature, like high level literature. When I was like four years old, I'm like <laughs> writing, I'm writing like Shakespeare at four and five years old. So in between unloading tractor trailers full of wine. So yeah, there's a few stories to tell. <laughs> it's incredible. And clearly your dad was obviously an entrepreneur too. Was yeah, he, he always was. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually ever remember him doing anything other than entrepreneurial. And, then, and, it, and it makes so much sense when you can look back and, and you say, you know, it was a roller coaster times when you felt very poor and times when you seem to have a lot moving around. A lot. I think that's a very typical entrepreneurial story and very real for a lot of entrepreneurs is that sort of roller coaster ride. And then very typical of a kid who's like, yeah, I think I don't like that. I'm going to make some money of my own and then give yourself a little safety and security net. So it all makes so much sense when you explain it. You just diagnosed the first 10 years for me of my entrepreneurial journey of my scarcity around making money and not having money. So thank you. I'm not even laying down on a sofa. But yeah, like it is pretty <laughs> interesting when you say that. And I, I'm aware of that now. But in retrospect, the whole idea of entrepreneurialism is to not be on that roller coaster. Like, how do you finally get to a level where I hate to say coast, but you're not working in your business or for your business, you're running your business, right? So, and I think the first 10 years, or maybe like the first five to seven years, we'll say it was like that, like just ups and downs and highs and lows. And it's really like, that's the whole point. Figure out how do you move beyond that level. And most of that is like, we sabotage ourselves, I think, like the psychology behind it. Bon on. You should go into therapy, Laura. <laughs> I miss my calling, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I am fascinated and Vicky and I are very passionate about working with entrepreneurs. And it's just a story that we hear over and over again whenever we talk to anybody. And it, it absolutely just makes sense. But it's one of those things you can't connect the dots until you look backwards. You can't mm -hmm. connect them going forward. So it makes a lot of sense. Tell us about where you are now in your journey. And uh, have you evened out that roller coaster a little bit? Yeah, well, I've I've actually started and sold a few other businesses. So I have figured out the recipe. Uh, the recipe is always changing, but I have sort of figured out the recipe on how to have success. I'm currently in my, I guess I'm in the middle of my fourth and fifth business right now. I own Fusion Creative, which is a storytelling branding agency, brand amplification, um, brand strategy. And then I also still own a photography studio that's been here in Charlotte, where I am, North Carolina, for full-time since 2010. So I'm I'm actually operating two businesses right now. Try I'm actually trying to morph the two into one, but handing off the photography business to somebody else that I've been grooming for a while now. So what is the secret? You said you kind of figured out the recipe. What's the secret ingredient? Well, 
Well, I don't know if it's a secret. I think it's probably different for every business and every business owner. But for me, it was the whole idea of self-sabotage and getting in your own way and coming to terms with the psychology around scarcity for, for, for starters. But then really kind of honing in on what your product is and the value that you offer and being able to tell that story to an audience that resonates with it, as opposed to trying to be all things for everybody. And I know that sort of sounds cliche, but um, it's factually true. It's early in my business. I was trying to sell photography, pet photography, boudoir photography, wedding photography, all these different things. And and I would talk about that on my website, or I would talk about that with people. And it was just, there was no, it's sort of like a double-edged sword. There was no clarity for my audience, but there was no clarity for me exactly like who I really wanted to be and step into my power. Each of my businesses is kind of funny looking back. It's been an iterative journey of self-development and learning through that process. And so the secret for me, if there is a secret, is that you learn from the failures that didn't get you where you wanted to be, be self-aware about those, understand what those errors were and learn from them and then grow from that. So I guess there's a lot of different ways you could pin it, but in a nutshell, I would say that's what it is. Yeah. Sage advice, Devo. And did you have a mentor to help you on that journey to see that light? No, all self-taught, all self-mistaked and just learning from it. I do have a mentor now. I have a coach. So um, in the last several years of my business, which also, I guess, is a secret, this podcast has been, being podcasting has been a big piece for me as well because it's enabled me to connect with a huge audience of people that I have never met before, which is why I launched it in the first place. And then I do have a coach now. I also have a therapist that I re- meet. With. That therapy term gets connotations of, of negativity. It's just somebody for me that instead of, bothering my partner with everything, someone where I can unload, digest, process, and get candid raw advice back. And so for me, I highly recommend it. If you have have the way to do that, find someone who, if for no other reason, you can just connect with somebody who isn't your mom that can slap you across the face if you're not, you're not towing the line of your own accountability, right? Yeah. I think that is such a key ingredient to success is getting that outside viewpoint into your life and into your business so that you can see things in a different way. Because often as entrepreneurs, we get really caught up in the day-to-day, the minutia of stuff that needs to be done and dealt with, but you don't look at the big picture. And a coach, a therapist can help you see the big picture, can help you connect those dots, like I mentioned yeah. earlier, like and brings everything kind of together for you. And then you can start leaping forward yeah. rather than taking those baby steps. It can feel really frustrating in the beginning. Sure. Yeah. And, and and it's part of the participles of being having some modicum of success because I think really early on, especially when I was just doing this myself, that was the problem. I was just doing everything myself. And and because I'm relatively efficient and I was blessed with some talents, um, I was just sort of like, I can do it all. And just like literally like Atlas carrying everything in the Swiss Army knife of customer service and accounting and billing and booking and taking photographs, editing and doing videos. Like, like, it's like, and what happens is I was sort of splitting up all of my power and not being able to give what my best talents were towards something that I really was powerful at doing, right? But because I was so bogged down, and it's necessary for a while, but as soon as I started making a little bit of resources and and being able to find people and handing off some of that stuff to them so that I could really focus on the big prize, I think that was another turning point for me is like realizing, dude, you are pretty good at what you do, but you can't do everything all of the time. You're literally going to burn yourself out. So that was another change that I made. Did you burn out getting there? I can't really answer that. I have a high tolerance for pains uh, uh, and I'm sort of a glutton for, I actually like 
being in the trenches working. Like I actually enjoy sitting down and working. It's something that I've always been passionate about. And maybe that's because I'm one of 12 kids. Like we literally had to do one of the things I'm struggling with right now with, um, with my wife and our kids is it's sort of like, how do we teach them resiliency and accountability and responsibility and creativity and like being able to take all the things that they're going to have to take into the next phase of their life when we're not there picking up everything after them. Right. And you have kids. So you understand that, right, Laura? But it's the same thing as a business owner. It's like, how do you find people who can support those goals so that you don't have to micromanage them and empower them to sort of do their thing, right? And so that you can focus on the things that you're, that you're really good at. So that's been a big lesson for me through this, through this all this process. And one of the things you said, Devo, about focus. So you've mentioned that you're running two businesses. You've also talked about the importance of having a focus, a, a singular focus, or am I interpreting that? So if I'm not, then how do you balance two businesses single focus? Well, that's a great question. So a singular focus would probably, we have to probably talk about this in terms of micro and macro. So I think it's okay to have multiple focal points within your business because you have different areas that you're trying to grow and you have different pieces that you have to deal with, whether it's customer service or branding or trying to to bring on new customers. So those are sort of like the micro pieces of a business. And so you'll have multiple focal points there. But for me, sort of I have an objective, a financial objective. I have a number of clients objective. I have a very clear purpose on what it is that I want to give back to the community. And so instead of like, for me, I think it was a a mind shift. And this was from my coach, to be honest with you, of changing my psychology around revenue based only. I need to make this number of bit sales. I need to bring in this number of clients. I need to make this amount of money. And those are great micro goals to have. But for me, finding clarity on my purpose, my focal point is how can I solve someone else's problem in a unique capacity that nobody else can so that they want to use me again and again and again. And so I don't know that I ever had that early in my business because I was trying to be everything to everybody. But then I realized the things that I'm really, really good at are X, Y, and Z. And those are the things that really make me excited to come sit down to my computer or meet with people, whatever. And I was like, those are my powers. Those are my superpowers. And so that's my macro. Like I stepped into that space. Does that make sense? It does. Tell us what they are. For me, again, I sort of touched on that earlier. It's, It's finding a problem that I can solve for people. And so one of the things that I realized really early on is that entrepreneurs don't they have this really great idea. We're going to change the world with a great idea. And we're just going to go out there and do it. And we're just going to make a lot of money and everyone's going to love our product and we're going to be fucking superheroes, right? And so people don't realize that before they get to that point, they have to do all these things that we've been talking about. Like there's a foundation that has to be laid. There's branding that has to be established so people know who you are and what you do. There's amplification of that so that you can find these audiences. And like, we literally live in the craziest time right now. I can speak to 8 billion people on the planet right now in some way, shape or form, or if we do our job right, like you have 2000 listeners, 5,000 listeners on your podcast that I would have never had the chance to speak to before. So I learned how to do these things. So now I, I show up on a hundred podcasts a year because I get to borrow your audience for free. Thank you very much, ladies. And like, that's part of my brand. I show up and I'm a nobody, but I get to speak to somebody else who thinks your show was really fucking cool. And like, oh, dude, they had this dude on who came in and talked about this. And even if I just connect with one of those people, I connected with one person. And so through the compound of everything, it's like it just snowballs. And so I don't think a lot of business owners, especially early in their career, understand that. They're like, I'm just going to go out there. I'm just going to do all these things. Yeah. And then they never, they never spent the time up front to sort of figure out how to do all those things. And so I have... 
And I'm really good at sharing that message with people. So like, that's one of my superpowers. I teach entrepreneurs how to find their power and how to tell that message. So that's one piece um, that I found that I'm really, really good at is helping other people figure their shit out. That makes sense? Makes so much sense. Let's talk a little bit about the strategy of branding, because I think people understand your brand is your logo, your business cards, your color palette, your, you know, all these pieces that go on your website and in your collateral materials, etc. But like the strategy of branding is what happens before you create all those things. But people often skip that step. They go right to like hiring a designer and getting a logo done or jumping on Canva and creating something themselves and then publishing a bunch of stuff. But it kind of gets really jumbled up and messy as the time goes on versus starting with strategy. So let's talk a little bit about what is brand strategy and why it's important to start there when you kind of where you're starting with the idea, right? So you're an entrepreneur, you've got this great idea, you're going to build this widget or this service or whatever it is. Why do we need to start with strategy first? Well, it is all of those things. Sorry, I struggle with those words. I was like, ah. um, it is all those things that you just said. It is your logo. It is your fonts. It is your typeface. It is your colors. It is all those things. But those are just like your team uniform that you're putting on, right? So it's really, really important to have a strategy session at the outset of what you're trying to build so that you know what you're trying to build so that you have some place to get to that gives you your own North Star. But it also lets other people know what your North Star is. And so people don't connect with, like, they're not going to connect with my photography, for example. There is literally 6 million photographers. And I think most of them are here in my city. It's like everyone and their mom went out and bought a digital camera. like, I'm a photographer. It's like, okay, that's great. Fantastic. There are people that will pay peanuts for your not so good service. So how do I figure out what who I am and what I do best? So that I don't have to charge peanuts and I can share that message with people so they connect with that. What's my emotional connectivity to my buyer? And so your brand strategy helps you figure out what is that emotional connectivity to my buyer so that they understand who I am and what I do very, very clearly and are willing to open up their wallet and pay me to provide that. And so once you have that clear, like who you are, what you do, why you do it, how you're going to do it, what problem do you solve, and how am I going to share that? Then you've developed what's called your brand message. And your brand message is literally everything. It's how you answer your phone. It's what your website looks like. It's what your logo looks like. It's your colors. It's your design. It's what do I believe in so that I can find other people who also believe in my shit. And we can all form a little group and just go make money and and share resources together. Like That's what your brand message does to me anyway. Yes, I love that. That is so nice and clear and help people just to get it. So when you can start with a brand strategist, with someone in the sphere who understands that and can start, how do you work with clients? Like say, for example, I'm coming to you, I've got this new business, I'm about to start, maybe I've got a few little clients, but I've not really launched yet. Like, where do you like to start with your clients? How do you start the bull rolling with that? Well, you're going to lay down on my sofa and we're going to start, I'm going to start interviewing. I need to understand for me to be able to help you. I have to understand who you are. I have to understand why you're in your business. Why'd you start this? Why do you have this? What is this idea? Where did it come from? Like, what is it you hope to change in the world with this idea of yours? And through that process, it's like double blade introspection. I'm asking questions. We're coming to epiphanies. They're having light bulbs turn on and then we're having dialogue around it. And then we're figuring out like, okay, these are the things that work. These are the things we like. These are the things we love. These are the things that are really just sort of nice to have. These are the things that may be beneficial, but they're not really necessary right now. And so through that process, which it's a rigorous two days, um, usually four to six hours of just 
me and the client or clients, because some some of them bring multiple stakeholders into the business meetings, which is highly recommended. Like if you're just an entrepreneur, that's great. But if you have a team of people that are also going to be buying into this new philosophy, if you have a team of people that are also responsible for making decisions, they should be involved in the decision-making process. Like everybody needs to be here and we all need to sing Kumbaya around the campfire and figure out what it is we're going to do to change the world. So um, everything for me starts with this brand discovery audit, if you will. I don't like the term audit because um, I just, I got audited before. Or have, have like PTSD <laughs> around the word audit. So I got to figure out a new word. I need some brand help there, Laura. But we go through this discovery process. We just figure out everything that they are. Like, what is this message you want other people to perceive? And I always, there's a, a, a fun question I always ask. If you were in a room and just both of you just gave a really cool keynote and Vicky just did a mic drop and everyone's like, holy shit. Ah. And then you left. Yeah, exactly. And then you left that room. What do you want those people to say about you when those doors are closed outside of earshot? Like, what's that message you want them to say about you? Because that's what they're going to be saying every single time they interact with you. They're going to write it on a Google review. They're going to put it on social media. They're going to share it with their friends. Oh, I know these cool people, man. They have this podcast. You've got to go on their show. It's like, or uh, I know these two people. Yeah, they kind of suck, right? So you have to make sure that that message that you're leaving with the people that interact with you is not only consistent, it's durable, it can withstand outside forces, and it's transparent also. Like People don't like fake shit. Like Be real. So how can we be real with what we're providing and not look like we're always trying to sell to you? So we start with that, and we build that. And then once we've built that, it's like we have this platform that we can now scale and start building other things. And then once you start building and scaling other things, it's like, holy shit, I latch on to whole new customers because I'm building all these other things, and I'm very clear on what I want to do. So I'm going right there, and they're going to come right here. So it's just it's like a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. And it's that foundation because you're talking about the build that comes when you have a solid foundation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with metaphors all over the planet, like learn to walk before you can run, like learn to read before you can write. Like this is, you could just keep going on and on. It's like, how do you start with something and don't expect overnight success? Like it's very rare. I don't even know many people who've done that. There's a few. I mean, you have one genius idea, but like even Amazon took 15 years to fully cultivate and marinate. Have some patience, man. Have some patience. (laughs) takes about 20 years to become an overnight success, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. What that, is that a real number? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not overnight. We know that, right? It's never overnight. It's, it's all about the journey. It's about the journey that you take to get there. And often people just see the success at the end because that's a bit that gets highlighted. That's a bit, that is when you are doing keynotes. That is when you have an article in Forbes. That is when you are at the peak. And you seem like an overnight success, but it's just because people don't see all that layers of foundation you have been building over the years to grow to where you are well yeah thanks to social media people think that your shit doesn't stink so it's like we're doing everything's great we're rocking and rolling behind the scenes we're like build a bill we're in the same outfit for two weeks in a row it's like but if you want to fast track that process it is not an overnight success if you want to fast track that it's crazy because the very thing that you want you're refusing to do and the very thing that you're refusing to do is what's preventing to get what you want. So it's like, dude, take a chill pill, take a step back, get your shit lined up properly, and then you'll start to fast track the success. And it's it's not just your business. It's like, where's your mindset? How are you emotionally? How are you with relationships? Like, how do you interact with the world? Like, if you're going to be a forward-facing service-based industry and people are going to have to interact with you, then don't be a dick. Like, find someone else to do it and figure out how do you get your personal shit lined up and then we'll build a business that matches that. But I had a client and he was like, 
everybody he interacted with, he sort of pissed off, but he didn't understand why he was pissing them off. And I was like, dude, you're kind of a little bit gruff around the edges. Like, you need to take some like diplomacy through this situation sometimes. Like, it's you can't, and I, I know you have great intentions, but like most people don't respond well to that. So you have to figure out a way to sort of soft that. So you need like a feminine touch or something. Like, come have some balance, right? Yeah. <sighs> Balance, balance, balance is the key, the yeah. key word for yeah. all of us all the time. Figuring out balance. I don't believe there is such a thing as balance. I think it, everything is just going to be weighed up and down. And sometimes family's up here and sometimes work is up here and sometimes social life is up and it all has to kind of just seesaw a little bit here and there. That's my mindset thing now. We talked about mindset and mindset is so key in business and super important in entrepreneurship to get your mindset sorted out. And you've mentioned great things like therapist, a coach, help tremendously. What about books, podcasts, anything like that, that you have felt has changed your life or have been important to you or anything you recommend? It's different for everybody, I think. This is just me. So just because it works for me doesn't mean that it's going to work for you or for you or anyone else. I think you have to find what's going to add value to your life. And if you come at it from the perspective... so. Something that I learned many years ago, and actually it was at the culmination of my divorce, I had to take a really long, hard look at myself because I realized that the trajectory that I thought I was on was an invalid, null and void. And I was sort of sitting in this like abyss of nothing. And like, I don't really know where I'm supposed to go at this point. And it wasn't because my divorce necessarily crushed me. It was a, a low vibrational period in my life for sure, but it was sort of like, I was on this trajectory of, and I was still working in the corporate world. I was on this trajectory of like, I have to just build and crush and dominate and make money and have a big house and a nice car and like just fuck shit up all the time. And I didn't realize that that's not how the world works. And, and so it was sort of through that process where I, it was through a crazy bunch of serendipitous events that occurred. Really, it's really weird to me. Like, if you're really in tune with the vibrations of things and you start to like, there's a whole different realm that operates our, our universe and everything we do. Sorry if I'm getting woo-woo, but it, I truly believe it exists. And before that, I was just like pragmatically to the toe the line, get shit done. I'm talking about mindset, I'm going somewhere. I have a tendency to ramble, but I always try to bring it back. Um, my divorce was like, I had to figure out why that happened. And then I'm very analytical. So I had to understand why did this happen? It couldn't just have been her fault. I'm pretty cool, but like there has to be something that I played in this, like because balance, like everything. So I, I hear what I agree with you said, Laura. Like there is no such thing as balance, but there's there's shifting scales, and ultimately you can't be all the way up here and ever be high performing, or all the way down here and expect that you're going to have results. So you like we're constantly in this shift to try to figure out how do we even the scales so that we're not too radical one way or the other, right? So I had to sort of come to terms with that that I had a role in that divorce. And it was through that process where I sort of was led down rabbit hole after rabbit hole of like self-discovery and introspection and therapy and all these different things where people were like, dude, you've got some thorns that you need to trim. And 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 once I figured that out and <laughs> and narcissistically came to terms with it, like, dude, I'm not perfect. Like I do have some real problems here. That's when I, I, I really started to see changes in my life. And it was that getting my mind right. It doesn't have to be therapy helpful. It doesn't have to be a business coach highly helpful. Um, but it's really being able to sit with yourself and be okay with that. Like not always doing something all the time. Like we live in the society where we're like, oh, we all have to go, 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 win, 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 win. It's like simmer down. 
Oh my goodness, Devo. I'm finding myself laughing. Not laughing at you, dear. Just laughing with you. You talk about vibration and energy. Mm -hmm. Where are you getting your energy from, mate? Like, what is this? Green juice? Meditation? What's going on? All of the above. I, I try, I eat a healthy, I've surrounded myself with good people. I come on cool podcasts where there's good conversations. I mean, just let's break that dichotomy down for a second. Early in my podcasting venture sort of went cheap. I didn't hire the right press agency. I didn't hire the right people that could promote me the right way. And so I was getting put on shows and like, no offense to Nigerians, but like, I couldn't understand a word they're saying. They're recording it in like the village where they were like, like, what are we even talking about? So like, for me, finding like peace around this and surrounding myself with the right type of people, putting myself, I realized that my resource, my time, my energy is a resource and is a commodity that I'm trading. And every time I interact with somebody, I'm either having a positive interaction or not so positive interaction. I actively seek out positive engagements now with people. I, I actively seek out positive clients that I know that I will bend over backwards for them because they're part of the process and the solution too. Instead of, I had a couple of clients early in my business where I hired them because it was all this money. And I'm like, oh my God, I made it. I, I just literally signed a half a million deal with this client. And then she started asking me to promote all these things on social media that I philosophically do not agree with. And I can't get behind that. And I'm not asking you to judge me by my opinions. I'm just saying, if it's my business and my life, so if I'm going to support this and exchange my resource for that, I'm going to be empowered by it. And I need to be behind you because if I'm behind you, I'm really fucking good at what I do. And if I believe in you and you believe in me, dude, we can go to the stars. I shifted my mindset around that. And so once I sorted that out and started realizing I'm actually hiring clients just as they're hiring me. And so there's that piece of it that just really makes me feel good because I get to be around good energy. I exercise, I eat healthy, I meditate, well not very well. I do yoga with my partner. Like I just I just try to live a life. I'm very exploratory. I want to just try shit. I don't want to be like I don't want to hear those metaphorical stories, man, when I'm like 90 like fuck, I wish I had just done this 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 this. this. I'm like, "No, I'm just going to try shit. I'm just going to go do shit." And what happens is when you do that stuff, and you just subconsciously do it and enjoy it and not like plan it out and have a reason to do it. Like I'm not doing yoga because I expect to be like this Adonis of yoga and put my ears head behind my ears and be able to like look at me on social media. I'm doing it because it teaches me discipline. It teaches me resilience. It teaches me to shut the fuck up for 60 minutes and do nothing. There's so many different reasons. And so I'm starting to understand that the more I just sort of enjoy myself and try to really be in the moment, the more things just are easier and they talk about this be in the flow. I never knew what flow is. I was a college football player, so I sort of understand high level of performance. There were games where I would come back in the locker room and I was like, I don't even remember anything that just happened. And then I would read the clipping the next day or I'd get the film the next day at practice and I was like, dude, I'm pretty badass. And I just realized that like during those moments I was in a flow and you just when you're in a flow, you just do, you just be, you just create and you just connect. So if you can figure out how to do that, then like you're halfway there, in my opinion. It was a really important message. The question we often ask on this podcast is, what's your morning routine? I didn't want to ask you that question. I wanted to ask you that question of where is this energy coming from? It's an important message. It's very much about being the person you want to be. So my follow-on question to that, Devo, is what is it that you want to do that you haven't done yet? Are we talking literally or metaphorically or like just what what spiritually? Whichever, what do you mean? Whichever way you want to interpret it. I mean, you're living mm -hmm. life fully. You're doing everything you want to yeah. do. Yeah, I am. Um, 
just signed up for deep underwater scuba lessons. So I'm doing that now. Yeah. Travel all over the world. I make it a point to go to multiple countries every year. If I was the president of the world, I would require everyone to travel for one Likewise. year. Yes. L- live in a country if you're non-native speaking for one year, you cannot yes. come home until you have fully immersed in their culture so you can learn that you're not the center of the universe. And I'm talking to all Americans. Like you're not the center of the universe. Go experience Pakistan for one year and tell me if you don't think they have cool shit going on or go live in Mexico for one year or go live someplace else that isn't the American dream because the American dream is not what you think it is and you're not the center of the universe. So I would do, say that. Um, I'd like to get my pilot license just so I can travel freely and not be restricted by airplanes and all that stuff. My business coach, he's a former Buddhist monk and he's, he lived in Nepal for like 10 years and he keeps promising me that he's going to take me to Nepal and do a like a, a, a one-month vi- venture. So oh. I'm calling you out, Nick. I hold you to this. It has to happen in 2024. That's amazing. Oh my God. This to me is the dream. What you're describing is absolutely the dream. You created a lifestyle business that works for you and your family. That gives you the freedom to do the things you want to do, to even have ideas. Like I'm going to get a scuba diving license. I want to get a Like so many people can't even dream those dreams because they're stuck in Either the rat race, the corporate world, the nine to five, that struggle. For me, that's what all entrepreneurs, well, I don't know, maybe not all entrepreneurs, what I aspire to as well is to have more and more and more of that where I can do those things and have those dreams and travel for me is a big one. Mm -hmm. Travel for me is a big one. I absolutely agree. You know, having kids and as they're getting older, like there's this need to help them see the world because you realize I think you get a very clear vision through them of how narrow their world is when they haven't traveled yet, right? Because mm-hmm. that's all they know. That's all they see. How do we take them out there into the world? So I love what you just said. And well that said. is, yeah, that is incredible. So what for you is the best part about being an entrepreneur? I get the opportunity to create something with somebody else that enables them to become better because I was there to help them along the way. And seeing them sort of step into their power. And I, I first discovered this through my photography. I've been taking photos since I was 12 years old. And I'm not I'm nothing special. Like I'm not like a master. I am a master photographer by credentials, but I'm not like this crazy good photographer. Other people think I'm good, but I don't I'm not trying to be humble. I'm just a good storyteller and I'm really good at connecting with people. And so I noticed early on, I would plan out my photo shoots, sort of like, we're going to go here, we're going to do this, we're gonna go here, we're going to do that, we're going to do here. And I was like, literally would write stuff down, like where I wanted to take them. And so I realized in that process that I, I really wasn't with the client. I was following my own agenda of what I wanted to accomplish, like tactically speaking. And it was good. Like I, I didn't suck, but I would always come home and be like, man, I had all this really cool idea to do this. I had this cool idea to do that. And I was like, well, I didn't do that. Fuck. And I swear to God, I would literally call the client back up and I'd be like, I would really like to meet you on Wednesday. Is there a way? Because there's something I didn't get a chance to do. Can you just meet me there? And I would show up at the photo shoot with them. I didn't have my list. I didn't have any plan. I just remember that I saw this really cool thing or I remember this really cool space. And I was like, I'm just going to play in that sandbox for a few minutes. And what I found out, what I found out what was happening is when I did that, and I wasn't working from this con- contrived idea of what I was supposed to create. I was able to sort of like telepathically connect with the, the person I was photographing. It's like, it sounds weird, but 
I just made this mental connection with him. And there was like this emotional connection that we, this bond for just the two hours or three hours that we're there. Like, and they would walk away on this like cloud nine. And they were just like, that was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, it was really fucking cool. Wasn't it? And then when they would see their photos and like a lot of my clients will cry when they see their photos, especially women, I had men crying me too. And I was just like, maybe this is my ego speaking, but I really love the idea that I was able to take something in this moment for them and create this moment for them and like create some sort of a legacy around it. Like that sounds a bit vain, but I wasn't empowered by my legacy. I was empowered by the fact that you just paid me money, which is fucking cool to take some photos. But I was like, I wasn't really taking photos. I was sort of, I was like going into this like time and space with them and just creating and they were laughing and they would like, man, I had couples that would like basically start having sex on some of my photo shoots. I have had clients like I did a couple's boudoir session once and they were so it was so hot. And then we ended up in the sh- for a shower scene. And I was like, OK, I'm just going to let y'all dip, dip out. I'm, I'm yeah. like, I don't tell that to be like crass. It was just something happened when I was working with clients unfettered and unpragmatic and just sort of being there. And so. I figured out that that was the reason what I liked doing. And so I was like, how can I, because I don't want to always take photos of people. I want to do other things. And so I just realized that for me, my true power is connecting with people and helping them tell their story in a way that they would have never, ever been able to do. And like, truly, like, I believe that. That's not saying I'm the best brand strategist on the planet. I'm not saying I'm the best, but in my own unique way, Laura, Vicky, I will connect with you like nobody else will ever have the ability to do because they're not me and they're not you and the way we share energies and the way we connect, like it will never happen. And so I was like, that's my gift. It's just focus on how I can be here right now with Laura and Vicky and tell their story and blow them the fuck up. And like, that's my gift. So that's how I do it. And like, like I can't explain it. There's not really words that sort of go into it. And people, you just have to experience it. Like, that's all I can say. You just have to experience it. Oh, I love I so much of what you just said. I love, but especially when you're talking about you found your gift and your gift isn't like being a photographer because often when kids growing up, what do we, what do we ask our kids? Well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then they got to pick like a career. They got to pick like a lawyer, doctor, da, 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 da. but their gift, it might be just in connecting people. Their gift might be creating beautiful spaces their gift might be in hosting and networking and like you're telling storytelling. That's not a gift that you can like say, this is going to be your career because as a storyteller, you can do multiple careers. You mm-hmm. could have gone into novel writing. You could have gone into many, many different mm-hmm. aspects of that gift. So why don't we hone in more on what our gifts are rather than it. just take this path, go this way, go to university. I, I'm kind of like, I think maybe because I have a teenager, I'm thinking a lot differently about like, paths and and where people should go working with lots of different entrepreneurs and so many people have changed paths so often but the gift still remains and the career i don't think matters as much as just seeking out what that gift is and then how do i maximize and do more of that because you're going to be so happy when you do because i can feel your happiness i can feel your passion i can feel everything that comes out of when you're talking about your your gift yeah. That's, that's really special. I, I love that. And I have a 17-year-old who's in the college process right now of filling out applications. It's sort of like you just said. And I was, you know, honey, I don't really think you have to go to college. Like, it's, it, I just want you to sort of wrap your head around college may not be the best track for you. And I highly encourage you to experience it. Here's what I got from college. It was a 
cultural explosion for me from a vantage point that I had never had the ability to see or experience because I just never did anything when I was a kid. Like I never even took a vacation when I was a kid. My first airplane trip was across the country to go play college football, which is what I thought I was doing. And I didn't realize that what I was doing is to have like my entire suit just opened up and exposed to things, people, friends, people from all over the world were at my college. I, you know, I had friends from South Africa. I had friends from Africa, I had friends from Ireland, like, and just being able to see all of that and be exposed to that. Like, so like, so sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but I was like, if you're going to go to college, just know that it's not, it might not be your path. It's not your only path. And you might, you might get there for a year and realize that isn't your path. And not everybody is designed to be an entrepreneur. Like, just because it seems to ha- be working for me, and and by the way, just disclaimer, I'm nowhere near where I want to be developmentally. Like I'm every day for me is like, how do I figure out to, to overcome this? I still have issues, and I'm so this is not my perfect world, but I'm doing stuff. I feel like I'm on a trajectory right now that is enabling me to unfold the things I still haven't figured out, and I wasn't doing that in my first part of my life. I was just like walking the line, just my horse blinders on. I had no, no idea that there was anything else out there for me. So you're spot on with what you just said. I love it. I I do love it. And I do think it's important for people to understand what used to be considered the only path, work hard in high school, get into a good university, go get a degree in something, go start that career and then spend the next 40 years of your life saving for retirement. And then maybe you can get on a cruise ship and, you know, go see some more of the world. No, that nobody... I think that vision of life is gone now. I think people understand that is not what life should be. And there's a million different ways to to figure out what you want to do, what's going to make you mm-hmm. happy. And and happiness is, I don't know, I think happiness is sometimes the most important thing and sometimes not. Sometimes it's the grind. Sometimes it's the thing. But it, it's just about, I don't know, finding that passion. I think that's what takes people to the next level. And you can be a lawyer, work for a law firm for 40 years and be passionate and love what you do and have the best career and then take a month every year and go travel the world and be happy as can be like that doesn't negate happiness like entrepreneurship like you said is not for everyone i don't think everyone should be an entrepreneur i agree but i think everyone should find something that makes them passionate and something that gets them out of bed every morning excited to live life and that could just be training to do marathons in your free time and that could be the thing that makes you super excited absolutely well said and and happiness means different things for different people i think for me, I don't even use the word happiness. I think as a society, we're too focused on everybody always having to be happy. Like therapy makes us happier, treats make us happier, going out and getting ice cream makes us happy, whatever it is, is, is. And for me, it's almost like you're masking what's really going on and not sitting with the fact that sometimes shit is, is shitty and you just have to be shitty for a bit. So once you have that experience of things that aren't necessarily working out for you, I think it's really important to understand that it's critical to have that experience because how would we know otherwise that's not what we like? That's not what we prefer. Whenever really bad things happen, they suck. But I've come to this perspective of like, man, I was engaged to be married with a woman for five years. True story. This is the first time I've told this. Okay. Just FYI. No one even knows this story. I was engaged to be married to a woman. So after my divorce, I had a bunch of, I love being in relationships. I've just always liked being in a relationship. I've never like, I just love being, I was in two relationships in high schools and one relationship in college. Just like, I just love being in relationships. And so when my divorce ended, that was like sort of part of it was like, dude, 
the hell now what i thought it was on this pathway so then when i met somebody and i was in a relationship with that person and that ended after like two years i was like dude so then i was in another relationship anyway you see where i'm going so anyway i finally met this woman i was in this relationship for five and a half years we were engaged to be married she's just a lovely woman has all the things going for her she's like an ex-model she's just like there's an amazing woman but then that ended and i was like what the hell was going on like how like my life was on this trajectory what what am i possibly doing wrong but then i realized and i don't even know if this was just like an overnight observation for me i just realized that in every single relationship i had been in there were central takeaways that enabled me to sort of see the things that i like and didn't like in a relationship my life everything and that everyone that came after that presented something new that was sort of in line with what i was looking for but there were still a few things that i wasn't looking for and so that each step was like this journey of like uncovering and discovering and through that same process i learned about myself and how i wasn't showing up in the relationship properly and how i could have done better in this direction or or how i could have changed the way i was and it's like it's like your entrepreneurial journey it's like you just every single thing we do is just a process of learning and unlearning and learning and unlearning and learning and it just keeps going on and as soon as i started to wrap my head around that and realized that nothing that occurs to me. so i met this new woman and people call me crazy but i moved we we bought a house together and moved in and we i have like this microwave family of three new kids and it's like it's crazy to me and there's all sorts of problems with it that are obviously and but there's so much good about it that like it's crazy to me that i still am ending in this place and it's like my point in saying all this is that Every single time something happens bad to people, people are like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. But it's not. It's like the best thing ever as long as you don't sit on your ass and wallow in it. Like, dude, see what went wrong, why it went wrong, recognize how you didn't like whatever it was, and now figure out how to fucking fix that and then step into that. That's the metaphor for everything. It's our business, our relationships, our lives, like literally everything. How can we find what works for us and doesn't work for us and then go after that a little bit? That's everything to me. Yeah, you're talking my language. 100%. I love talking about relationships, just like you. I wasn't always loving to be in relationship. I was very happy on my own. However, I love the whole world of relationships and understanding how they work and getting to know how they work and digging into what makes that person tick and what makes me tick and what makes us work together well. And then the one key piece of relationship advice since we're here dear diva and uh, getting relationship advice on the resilient entrepreneurs podcast let's just wrap it up and put a bow on it the one piece of relationship advice i'll give to our listeners is work out who your ideal partner is it sounds a bit business-like but get over it who's your ideal partner what do you want to see in them what kind of person do you want them to be and then ask yourself are you ready for that person because that person has an ideal partner too. Mm. And if you're not that person, then it ain't going to work. I love that. Mm. May, I, may I add a piece of that Please for me? Do. Yeah. Your relationship with yourself is a relationship as well. 100%. It's probably the most important most. relationship you'll ever be in. So if you are not figuring out how to handle yourself, your shadows, your demons, whatever it is, if you're not aware of your role that you play in literally every interaction, every response, every choice, every predilection, every obstacle, if you're not aware of how you engage with that, 
and are not willing to grow if it doesn't work out for you, then you might as well just fuck all relationships because you're never going to have one that's going to work for you until you figure out your own shit. That's just all there is to it. You can't expect me to be in this relationship that I'm in right now and show up the way I should be showing up had I not experienced all those things where I realized it didn't work out for me, I didn't have the connection or whatever it was, but most importantly, I didn't show up the way I could have showed up better, including my divorce. I was a horrible husband in retrospect. Horrible. And all of those things I've now realized they were just lessons for me to learn and unlearn, learn and unlearn, learn and unlearn. All I, I've tried to really focus on me, like how that sounds vain, but like, dude, yeah. you're, this is all that you have is yourself. So how can you figure that out so you can show up as the best version of yourself and you're not an asshole to people all the time? And that's yeah, exactly no, it. That's it's how you showing up as mm-hmm. the best version of yourself, as much as how am I reacting to things? It's how do I want to present myself? How do I want to walk into the room? How do I want to take that next sales call if we're getting it back to business? How do I want to present in the world? Who am I? Who is my future self? Here I am right now. I'm here. This is it. We have total control over who we are, regardless of any circumstances we've been through. In fact, not just regardless of, but because of. Like you said, all of the experiences have made us who we are today. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. That. And to have that awareness is so key in business and, and it, in personal life. Yeah, and it never stops. Like it's iterative process. It so is, it is. we have a brief amount of time while we're here on this planet to do something. So most of that something involves you figuring out your inner mechanics, your inner engineering, and being able to work with that to the best degree possible so that your experiences are in alignment with what you're looking for. Yeah, and Ooh. alignment with the way you want to impact the world. Yeah, mm. fantastic. It comes down to values, right? Being clear on your values and living in your values. Yeah. I think that's another part of business that's really important. We've said this before in our podcast, but if entrepreneurship is not the best personal development journey in the world, then nothing is because mm. you really have to work on yourself to get better and better at entrepreneurship and growing a business, building a business takes a lot of introspection. Because like you said, if you turn up like an asshole all the time, you're going to lose clients. It's just inevitable. Your business is not going to survive long term. And we're in it long term. Like you kind of, I don't know a lot of people that became an entrepreneur and then decided to go back to any other type of living. I know one. I know one. She said entrepreneurialism is not for me. I, I like being able to I don't want to always be under the spotlight. I don't always want to be under the under fire. And that's fine. She yeah. figured it out. I respect her more it's because bold. she figured it out and realized that this is not my superpower. My superpower lies in this. And I'm gonna go back to that and I'm gonna do the best job I can possibly do. And that's totally cool, man. Not everyone can be what everyone else like there's so many roles that you could play in your life and like not everybody can do that role so find what works for you i love what you said about your values i actually have my values uh, laminated and they Mm -hmm. sit here on my desk and i read them like all the time i just want to sort of like do i still feel that this is in my space i learned this trick from my business coach so i love this and so i read my values i have pictures that are associated with them and i look at them and i'm like is this still like working for me is this where i feel and this changes so um that's a really important point you just made uh, laura i really love that you touched on that when Vicky and I started uh, two for one together, and this business is only three years old, that us working together, the first thing we did, the first thing we created was our values. That mm. was literally the first thing we talked about. The first page on our website, like it was just super important for us to be aligned in that way. And I know that's the secret to our success. And how do you handle 
between the two of you, this is another piece that I always think is fantastic is how do you handle conflict? And that's really important in your relationship, especially if you're in a romantic relationship, right? Not everything is smooth sailing. We've been talking about this for an hour. Like you're going to have obstacles. So how does Laura and Vicky sit down and manage the conflict? And is there a copacetic solution or at least that you believe that you can find one without a bunch of bullshit and drama before you get to that point? And, and how does that work? That also should apply to who you hire and who you work with and who your partners are. Like, how can you envision handling conflict together? Because it's really important. And, and my last partner and I, we did not handle conflict well. And what happened is it snowballed and then it became what it becomes. It's like apathy, resentment, all the things. Like you can go through the stages of relationships and why they fail or succeed. And it's like, you don't ever want to be in a situation where you're going to have resentment or apathy. Because like apathy is the worst thing ever. Like you just don't give a fuck about that person. And I'm not saying that that was for us. I'm just saying if you get to a point where you have apathy about anything, dude, it's time to sit down with Laura and have her lay down and talk about on your her sofa how she can give you therapy because apathy is the worst thing ever. Like if you just don't give a shit about anything, like for real, like you need that's, to have a hard, a long yeah, hard. And that's look. when you hurt people. Yeah. When you are apathetic, that's where you really can hurt somebody. Yeah. Even if you don't want to, even at your heart, you might love them and care for them. You can really hurt somebody when you get to that stage. Yeah, handling conflict. I will be the first to admit I am not great at conflict. I avoid it as much as I possibly can. <laughs> so I know that that is my my thing I deal with a lot. But I think having kids has made me a little bit better at it because I'm a bit more used to having to deal with conflict and being in traumatic relationships and all of that. Absolutely. I have learned my lessons. But for Vicky and I, it's communication. You know, mm. we talk every day. When stuff comes up, we do talk about it. Vicky is better than me at bringing stuff up and putting it on the table. So we do have to discuss it. But Vicky's superpower is communication 100%. So I'll give it to her for that. She'll put it up on the table before me, but I I stand up and we talk about it. And yeah, I think that's just really the key to keep the communication. You're self-aware of your shortcomings around conflict. So I wasn't self-aware around my conflict resolution skills. I thought that I had the answers. And so the first step for me is like, if you're aware of that, Laura, then that's fantastic. So now what are the qualities that you don't like how you show up? How can you address those? Like that, that would be your next therapy session with Vicky, since she's really good at communicating this to you. How can you show up with Vicky in this relationship so that if there is a conflict, you're still showing up with your most honest and kind, even though you're upset, but how can you still show up with your most honest, transparent, and kind solution to the problem. My grandfather used to say, dude, if you don't like something, that's fine, but don't complain about it unless you know how to fix it. Like, If you can't fix it, don't open your mouth. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So how can you fix it? How can you fix it so that you don't have to keep having that same problem resurface? I want Vicky to give her response. (laughs) I'm enjoying just sitting back and hearing about this conflict. (laughs) Conflict management. Uh, I Actually, when you asked the question, I thought, interestingly, after three years, we really haven't had a situation where there has been conflict. Now, possibly that's because Laura likes to avoid it, or it's possibly (laughs) because I'm quite tuned in. We're both very tuned into each other in a very fascinating way. We're on the opposite sides of the planet, but we usually know when one of us is distanced a little bit or something's not quite right, and we'll ask each other about it. And like you said, it's communication. So for me, I don't really ha- I used to be an absolute avoidant of conflict as a kid, um, but definitely more so as an adult. I just like to get ahead of it, ask the questions. If something feels a bit off, 
like touch base. I'm also very mindful, very aware of what my triggers are and what makes me a bit aggro on things or impatient. And then I'll check in and go, oh, that's just you talking to you again. So Mm. really that has nothing to do with that person. So we can let that pass. There's always a reason for it. This is why I love, I'm actually also a life coach and I just Ah. enjoy this whole aspect of human dynamics because it, we're so in, uh, we're so in control and there's so much available to us to live such a full life. And that's why I find it fascinating to see you, Devo, living fully, being aware and, and having the energy that you do and just going for things. And it's, my dream for everyone on the planet to be able to do that. Thank you for saying that. I have a lot of work to go and we're not trained to do any of what you just said or anything that we've talked about. We're not trained that way. Like think about our lives from day one, we're put into a row and in, in our schools, we're sat down in a desk. We're told to look forward at a teacher. We're told to wear costumes or outfits or whatever it is. We're taught the same material move on to the next grade, the same thing rinses and repeats itself, move on to the next grade, we walk in lines between classes, like all the nonsense. We're not taught to think critically, to understand ourselves. We're, we're taught to like memorize stuff. And, and I'm talking about the public school system and primarily, but we're taught to memorize stuff and then repair parrot it right back to a standardized test where we have to fill in a bubble. And there's just like, there's no aptitude or thought or critical thinking or creativity. It's like all those things are said, they're just thrown out the door and we're just taught to like, just do well, get on, get a good job, get on a good team. That's going to allow you to do all kinds of cool shit and buy nice things and just consume, 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 consume. We're we're never never taught all these other things that actually run the planet and run the universe. And like, what's one crazy thing that I um, have really learned in the last few years, and I'm still struggling with it, but you, me, all three of us, like we're literally connected and the entire planet is connected and all the resources that we consume are connected to us and like everything, everything is connected. If you want to watch the coolest show ever, it's called Borealis. You'll find it on, I think, Amazon or Netflix. I forget. But it's about these scientists who spent like 20 years living in the Borealis Forest up in Canada. And then they compiled all their data and research after 20 years of observation and tests and study and like everything. And the show is mind-boggling, like how the plants and the trees and the animals all work together and everything from, from fires starting to seeds growing to like, it's crazy to me. And so like, when I watch that show, which I'm like on my 15th version of it now, because every time I watch, it's like reading the Bible. You just learn something new. You just keep picking up on the fact that every single thing we do is connected. And every time I have a response to something, I'm going to affect you potentially. Like whether it's road rage or doing something kind, like you're going to have a different response to that person because they're connected to you intrinsically and literally in every single way, shape or form. And I like, you may not have an effect on them that day, but at some point you're going to have an impact. Like your show and bringing on these people that you talk to and interview and let them go down rabbit holes about weird stuff. It's like <laughs> somebody's going to listen to this. I hope maybe one person is going to listen. Like that was the cool conversation between those three. I would really like to sort of learn a few things about this. And so then they open up their books or they open up their mind because it's like, dude, we are like, you're making a change. You're making a difference. And everything you do is making a difference. Even if it's tiny, tiny, you're still making a difference so just find a way to make a difference wow yes i suspect that you see yourself as a bit of a disruptor am i correct 
Well, I don't know. I don't really like labels. I, I like to do things that make people think and make people question. And I just hate the whole idea of status quo. This is the way we've done it always. So this is all we're going to do. It's like, dude, there's like a 5,000 million ways to do one thing. Like maybe this way, the reason this isn't working for you is because you've just been doing it the same way all your life. If you want a different outcome, then you're going to have to try a different approach. So if that's called disruption, then sure, sign me up for that list. I don't want people to think that they're stuck. I don't want people to think that there's not. I truly believe Captain Kirk, this shows my age, he had this thing. He's the only starship pilot that ever conquered the test called the Kobayashi Maru. You've heard about this, Vicky? You just gave me the thumbs up. Look it up. He's the only starship captain in the Federation fleet that was able. <laughs> but there's this dude named Captain James T. Kirk, William Shatner. You heard of him? <laughs> he, and, and he's like this, Come on. Yeah, like he's this <laughs> improviser. He's this ladies' man. He's like all these things. He's like the perfect model citizen of captainship. But he's not any of those things. He's like he cheats. Well, not cheats, but he rewrites the rules to everything. He like he doesn't believe in the Kobayashi Maru. He doesn't believe in the no-win situation. He believes that every single problem has a solution. And I firmly believe that no matter what the problem, whether it's global, political, your personal relationships, your business sucking, the fact that you are getting fat because you're getting fat, it, there's a solution to that. Like You can figure it out. There's always a solution. And it may not come right away, but maybe if you surround yourself with people that can give you an honest answer, they'll tell you that you're a fat piece of shit and you probably need to put that down and go to the gym. I had this friend, like he used to play soccer with me and I see him and every time I see him, he's gained like 25 pounds and he wonders why his wife won't have sex with him anymore and why he can't play soccer anymore and why he can't even stand up out of the chair without groaning. I'm like, dude, you've gained like 150 pounds as I've ever met you, man. Stop eating. Stop working all the time. Go to the gym, exercise, and maybe you'll start to change your life. And he's just like, I don't know. It seems like so much work. I got to get up at six in the morning. I'm like, dude, stop fucking complaining. Just go do it. If you're getting the same results, it's because you're doing the same thing. Change that. If I'm a disruptor, then there you go. I'll call myself that. Great. Thank you. I, I'm honored you said that. Thank you. <laughs> just do it. That's the yeah, message. Exactly. Just do it. Oh, you can change your life. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. That's it. Well, we have one last question for you because this has been an excitingly long podcast because we have had such a good conversation. But we have to ask before we go, what is your definition of resilience? How can you along the way to doing the things that you're doing, learn from the mistakes that you're making that aren't working out for you, grow from them, and find a place of placid serenity that enables you to stop questioning yourself or looking over your shoulder and just knowing that the decision you made was the best decision you could have made given the set of circumstances that you had available to you at that time. And they may not work for you tomorrow, but they're working for you right now. So be okay with that. Be okay with that, but be flexible and nimble and reactive and aware and all the things that if this that's now working for you, this serenity that's here today, it's not going to be there tomorrow because everything changes, everything ends. Just be self-aware enough that you're willing to change if it's not working for you and step in to continue to grow and step into that. And so if you can continue to be self-aware that you are going to make mistakes, things are going to fail, people in your life are going to die, businesses might not succeed, I might not be successful tomorrow. Like the economy is going to crash pretty soon and there we might be starting a World War III. So like who fucking knows what's going to happen, but Somehow or other, I'm going to find a way to survive, and that might be selling things on the street. I don't know, but it, I'm going to find a way to survive because I don't believe in the no-win situation. I believe there's always a solution to everything, and if that makes me resilient, then that would be my definition of it. Oh, that has summed up this whole conversation perfectly, too. 
because that's exactly what I, I believe you're you're spot on with that. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. And we have an alternative ending. Remember, yeah. we're doing the intro again at the end. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Resilient Entrepreneurs, the podcast where you hear the most fascinating guests when you least expect it. Devo is a super high energy entrepreneur. If I could find a way to bottle up his spirit, I would, and I'd sell it, and I'd be a bloody millionaire. Close your ears to the more than occasional swear word and prepare (laughs) to have your entrepreneurial path rocked in a great, very possibly life-changing way. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) It was amazing. Do I get to give the two of you one or is that? Let's have it. Let's have it. So uh, here's my perspective of the show. So I go on a lot of podcasts, you know, this, I have a lot of experience with this and I find that a lot of people just come on shows with a predetermined set of ideas that they want to accomplish during the show. And you may have done that because I do that, but you were willing to listen. You were willing to learn. You connected with me. You're two hosts who take the time to listen. Most people don't listen. We have two ears, one mouth for a reason. You listen. You don't interject. You didn't interrupt. You you were willing to sort of open your mind and your eyes to someone else's perspective you'd never met before and potentially learn something from it or at least have a really good facade that you are and patiently allow me and this conversation to develop on a life of its own. And you were nimble and you were flexible and you took that information, which shows high intelligence, and you were able to twist from the paradigm you originally started with to end up where you are. So... If anybody listens to your show, the takeaway that I would have them receive is your gift to listen, learn, adapt, and move forward. And I think that would probably be how I would encapsulate the show in this time I've spent with you. And thank you for it. I appreciate you. That's so cool. I, I'm so honored and, and appreciate what your words are beautiful. Thank you. And it's why just, just for peeling back the curtain a bit, we do have a list of questions that we actually send our guests to give them an idea of what we're going to ask them. Do you know how often I look at those questions? I didn't even have a Zoom from y'all. So I was like, I don't even know how I'm joining. I don't know what we're talking about, but I can't wait. Because <laughs> I listened to a few of your shows. And I was like, okay, this will be cool. I, I like I like where this conversation will potentially go. Well, that's the best part is, is having a conversation. And there's nothing like eavesdropping on a good conversation. So we hope that's how guests take this. We hope that's how the listeners take this is eavesdropping on a really cool conversation, taking away a few key, really key insights that we had today for sure. Mm. And then using that to grow and build and, and create beautiful lives of their own. Cause that's what we want for everybody. And we really appreciate your time today. This has been the best conversation. Honestly, I could talk for another hour. We're going to have to have you back on again and Please have another do. conversation. We'll Please. have you on my podcast. How about that? Oh, deal. Yeah. We're actually rebranding our whole podcast. We were a little impolite, but now it's all, it's now called unlearn everything. I'm stepping into my podcast power, which is, I realized the show wasn't really doing what I thought it wanted it to do. It's really unlearning. Cause I bring people on and have conversations just like this. We, we unlearn the dogma we've been taught. So you maybe you could uh, do that. That would be fun, right? Also, I meant to ask you both, how did the two of you meet from across the world? You're where, Laura? You're in Australia too? I'm in Bermuda, born and raised here, went to school in Jacksonville University. So fairly close. I've been mm-hmm. up to, to South Carolina a few times. Um, Vicky and I met in Bermuda. We were working together on a project, um, her in communications and me in design. And we just 
had the best time. Mm. Um, and we decided we wanted to do more of that. So how do we work together more? So we built Two for One, which is our marketing agency that we've been growing through COVID and been an incredible journey there, teaching small business owners how to get online, how to get their social media up and running, how to do marketing. And now we're just evolving, you know, bigger and bigger as, as the uh, years go yeah. on. And we started Resilient Entrepreneurs as a uh, webinar series of a workshop with lots of cool guests. And we had amazing turnout. People were ready to be resilient after the pandemic. And we said, we want to do more of this. We want to reach out to more people globally. How do we talk to more interesting people like yourself? Mm. So we built Resilient Entrepreneurs as a podcast. It's been running just over a year now. We're about to head into season four. And it's incredible, amazing, and it's the most fun. Yeah, it's that's so fantastic. Fun. And from across the world, it's like it's just amazing to me. If you're open to it, how many people you could connect with on a daily basis, and it's just who knows where that will go, right? So brilliant to both of you for being. See, I was spot on. You're open minded, and you're willing to learn and to grow, and it's amazing. Yeah. It's- and the purpose of the whole podcast is so that people like you and our guests can get in front of our audience so Mm. that people who ordinarily wouldn't have a conversation with you now get to do that and open their minds and open their hearts and think a little differently and see themselves in their business a little differently. And like you said, there's that butterfly effect. One tiny little thing that might've been said today could Mm. actually rock their world. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well said. Am I allowed to do shameless plugs? Please tell us about your workshop. That was the one thing I wanted to ask. Before I do that, I just want to thank Rachel, Jennifer, and Melissa because they're my press team and they got me on this show. So without them, I would not be able to spend this last hour with you. So thank you. And um, I have a webinar coming up. It's going to be an eight-part series designed to take you from zero to 100 in building your business. It's designed for creatives and entrepreneurs or even small business owners who are really looking to figure out how to properly share your message and do that pragmatically, sensibly, holistically, because branding is a holistic context for us. It's not just having a logo. It's not just having a good website. It's being able to have a good message and then finding a way to amplify that. And that's a holistic process and they each feed off of the other. So I have a webinar coming up on November 2nd. There will be one every month thereafter. Um, They're designed to build upon the last, but they're independent as well. So that's fantastic. I would love you to join that. And you can find information on my website, Thank you for allowing me to do this. FusionCreativeBranding.com. There you go. That's it. So thank you for allowing me to plug that. So thanks, Vicky. And thanks, Devo. Honestly, one of my most favorite conversations, a perfect way to start the week. And uh, we hope everybody enjoys it as much as we did. So thank you very much. Hope to see you again soon. And all the best.